Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Hello and welcome. Falta Dief Galer to the Letter from Ireland show, Series 5, Episode 5. We are recording the show at the end of October, so let me begin by wishing all our listeners a happy Halloween, or as we say in Irish, Iha Hauna Hana Div. And so we're off again in today's show around Ireland, where we travel in the footsteps of our Irish ancestors, discovering and sharing what we learn about their lives. And this time we are visiting a unique place in County Louth. Here, the ancestral story is written in stone. I wonder if you know the place I'm speaking of. Anyway, before we start into the show, I'd like to remind you that you can see all the links in the show notes at a lettertromireland.com forward slash 505. So all the links mentioned are in the show notes at a lettertromireland.com forward slash 505. And I'll mention this link again later in the show. The Celtic season of Samhain is upon us here in Ireland and we celebrate this with the excitement of trick-or-treating or dressing up as vampires, ghosts and generally trying to look as scary as we can. And of course, we eat plenty of barmbrack. But the history of this celebration goes way back in the mists of time. Our ancestors celebrated Samhain as one of the ancient festivals of the Celtic calendar. At this time of the year, They believed the veil between the dead and the living is at its thinnest and it is a time to get in touch and honour the memory of those that have gone before us. Now, I couldn't think of a better place to visit that this very special time than that place I mentioned at the top of the show where our ancestors' stories are written in stone. I wonder how many of you have guessed yet where this place is in County Louth. Well, it is the unique graveyard or cemetery of Monaster Boyce. Maybe you've heard of it or visited there yourself. Believe me, it is so much, much more than a graveyard. Monaster Boyce is about an hour's drive north from Dublin City and lies a few miles outside Drogheda. Now, why did we pick Monaster Boyce? Or, as it's called in Irish, Monaster, Monastery, Bwuta, Bute, because it is the monastery of the monk Bute. Well, you'll discover as the show continues that it is no ordinary graveyard. It is said that Bute, a follower of St. Patrick himself, founded the site here as a centre of learning way back in the 6th century. Now, visiting a graveyard, I realise, might not be everybody's cup of tea, but seen through the right eyes, it is a treasure trove of information about our ancestors and how they lived. And remember, this place has links way back to before the Vikings. So to help us decipher all that we see around us in Monaster Boyce, Mike and I were very fortunate to be joined on this special trip by our Irish-based genealogist from the Green Room, Jane McGarvey. Now, Jane visits graveyards regularly, and we wanted to bring you behind the scenes 
and share with you in today's show what a genealogist looks for in an Irish graveyard. What are the signs they look out for? What pointers and markers are they seeing? How would an Irish genealogist read an Irish cemetery or graveyard? Why don't you join us in today's Letter from Ireland show as Mike and Jane and myself in the background make plans to head off to Monaster Boys, County Louth and hear how Jane McGarvey prepares for a graveyard trip. So I'm sitting here with our genealogist, Jane McGarvey. How are you doing, Jane? I'm fine, Mike. It's great to be here. Yeah, and what we're going to do is, uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting day because our intention is to head to Monaster Boyce Cemetery in County Louth and ideally produce something, maybe an article, maybe a podcast, that sort of thing, with certainly a lot of conversation around how a genealogist might read an Irish cemetery. So when I say that to you, Jane, how a genealogist reads might read an Irish cemetery, is it really that easy? Is it easy to put something together? Are they easy to read? About as easy as reading individual genealogies. Every family's different. Every family has their own quirks. And the same apply to graveyards, Mike. So the answer is probably not. <laughs> okay. Um, and I suppose, Jane, from that point of view, so um, when we're getting ready to go down to Monaster Boyce, I've, if you were planning to visit any cemetery, what sort of things would you actually prepare? What sort of things would you plan for before you even leave the house? Well, one of the things I do is a little bit of pre-research, Mike. Check whether there are any graveyard records, whether there are plot numbers, a graveyard map, and I prepare my boot of my car. Large umbrella, welly boots, good shoes, camera, notepad or iPad, and above all else, preferably a second person to act as a sunblock. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say shovel there, but you didn't. That's okay. And the other thing I... I've been tempted, Mike. <laughs> the The other thing that I'm curious about is you didn't mention anything about maybe cleaning up stones and looking at maybe chalk or grass or anything like that. Do you tend to do that sort of thing, take readings? Any sort of rubbing can be corrosive and can badly damage the stone. Usually I'll bring a bottle of rainwater and a spray um, I try to avoid soft, even soft cloths. Chalk's one of the least abrasive subjects. Um, but sometimes just a spray from a drop of rain, change the angle of the sun, and you'll get enough from a lot of photographs to piece together the words. It's, it's a bit of a mix. Trying to find out without destroying for future generations. That is very interesting because I think that would actually be news to a lot of people who think things like chalk, things like grass, things like that are you know non-corrosive and not a problem. But very interesting to hear that. Thank you for telling us. So Monaster Boyce itself is uh, not only an example of an Irish cemetery, but it's a very special one, I guess, in a sense that it's in the centre of a very ancient part 
of what was the Kingdom of Mead, County Louth at this point. Are we inside Louth? Yes, we're just inside Louth. And it was a monastic settlement from the year 500s, from the 6th century. So right through to the present, you will find people actually being buried there, even kind of probably up to last week. And alongside that, of course, you've got these incredible high Celtic crosses, which I'm very much looking forward to seeing, and a beautiful round tower from the 900s bang in the centre, as well as two very old parish church ruins. So, looking forward, will we hit the road and uh, get ready to go and see what we find when we get there? Let's do that. Off we go. Now it was time to head off, so we piled into the car and off we went to Monaster Boyce. It's not every day that you're going to find a round tower, high crosses and two ruined churches in one graveyard. And I, for one, was very excited to see Monaster Boyce through our genealogist's eyes. A few miles outside Drogheda, we followed a small country road leading up to the graveyard, which was surrounded by a neat stone wall. We pulled into the car park opposite the entrance and headed along the gravel pathway surrounded by tall, swaying trees. We've made it to Monaster Boyce, just outside the town of Drogheda in County Louth. And Jane, we're here right outside the cemetery. And you wanted to stop here for a moment to remind us what you typically do when you arrive at a cemetery, an Irish cemetery, for the first time. First thing I do, Mike, is take a photograph, showing the gate and preferably the name. And why is that? What's the purpose of that? Well, quite often I can be doing two or three, sometimes even four cemeteries in one day if there's a bit of travelling. Three years later, and you want to go back to that cemetery. Which cemetery? What date? Where was it? It's very easy to find if you've got the entrance names or the picture of the church with the church name. Easy. I mean, that sounds a bit obvious when you say it, but it's one of those things we can overlook very, very easily. So when you go to a new cemetery like this, and we've made it to the entrance now, where would you go for first to actually see what's what? Depending on the size of the cemetery, Mike, I'll sometimes head for the highest point or the best viewpoint just to get an idea of the size, the shape, and I've done what I can in background research um, from Google Maps at home before I come out. And then just orientate myself, get a look at where the sun is, um, where the shelter is if need be, whether I'm going to need a brolly to um, not hide from the rain, but block the sun to photograph a, a headstone. That's a good point. Again, I mean, yeah, it's a beautiful day here today. The sun is shining, but by gosh, is it windy. And uh, maybe it's time now to find that highest point and head straight towards it. What do you think? Good idea, Mike. Let's right. go. Let's go. Great. We wandered slowly up through the graveyard dodging the irregularly placed gravestones to reach the highest point of the cemetery. And here we found something very special indeed. You could say we were almost drawn towards this point from the minute we entered Monster Boyce. But why don't I let Mike tell you more about it? What a high point. Isn't this incredible? Fantastic, Mike. Folks, I just wish you could see this at the moment, but the high point in this particular cemetery in Monster Boyce, we're sitting on the steps 
of the round tower. So we have this round tower from the 900s. It would have been erected at a time when it was still a monastic settlement before the coming of the Normans and it would at times have actually been raided by the Vikings for example. But from here we can see the layout of the actual cemetery. We can not only that I guess but we can see way off miles into the distance through the trees which I suppose was the purpose of actually having the round tower just here. We can see two old churches I believe from the 1400s and two incredible uh, Celtic high crosses one of which is about uh, 25 foot tall amazing looking so Jane I, I guess this must be one of the more unique high points when you go to a new cemetery and have a look around absolutely Mike you don't often find the highest cross in Ireland in too many cemeteries now having said that underneath those uh, I suppose incredible antiquarian uh, elements in this particular place we also have a used cemetery one that's used quite to the present day so what sort of things strike you now that we're in this highest place Jane? I think very much the mix of burials old beside new or beside more recent I should say real higgledy-piggledy of designs of writing Irish Latin, English, it's just a pure mix of society. I guess it seems to me as well that uh, perhaps some people made special efforts because they knew they were in a kind of a special place and um, maybe they were fairly proud to have their family buried here but as you say some of the headstones we passed up on the way we had Irish, Old Irish, Latin, English on the same headstone. The whole place seems to be very well maintained. Yes, it's an excellent pristine condition. We saw the grass being cut earlier when we first arrived. And it's very, very well looked after. You know, some of the old graveyards, you would expect to see things like lots of unmarked uh, graves. So in other words, just stone markers. Yet here, there's actually very few of those. And you commented earlier on the actual presence of so many upright uh, headstones as opposed to horizontal ones. Do you want to say a little bit more about that or, or the fact that the horizontal ones are used around here as well? Very much a mix, Mike. It depends on where you are. There was certainly a period, um, certainly towards late end of the 1700s, early 1800s, where there was a lot of body snatching. And that was for medical science. When they needed fresh cadavers, they weren't enough. The law didn't allow for your body to be left for medical science. So graves were robbed and over the years different techniques were put in place in different graveyards to try and protect the recently buried. And what were some of those techniques? Well for some of them they would have a guard house and guard men. For others it would they would lay the stone flat some would be put on columns because as you started to dissolve, disturb the ground the column would collapse and it was much more difficult then to dig into the gravestone or the, the, the grave and remove the body. Well, fascinating. Excuse me. It's always fascinating to actually hear those uh, particular social aspects. Uh, I believe you want to say something else about that. Yes. One interesting fact is the first thing they did when they stole the body was they stripped it of the clothes and put the clothes back into the grave and took away the naked body. 
And you're going to give us the reason for that? I am. Theft of clothes could could have you transported. Other than that, you're only carting a dead body. Much lesser offence. Oh, very clever. People really did look after themselves. Will we head down so from this, uh, again, unique perch and maybe have a look at some of those headstones? Well, the things you learn about in graveyards when you're accompanied by a genealogist. It never crossed my mind that the importance of having horizontal gravestones or columns around your grave to support the gravestone was in order to deter those pesky grave robbers and keep the body safe. Very clever indeed. And so it was on to learn more about the social history of the times and observe more about those headstones from Jane McGarvey. So here's a headstone just maybe 100 yards from the Round Tower and it's one that particularly grabbed our attention, Jane. It is, Mike. It has Old Irish, Latin and English and dates back to 1799. But quite interestingly, in the same plot, the burial comes forward to right back to modern times at 1983. So you actually have essentially a straight line, so to speak, Possibly an awful lot of people in this, uh, what appears to be like a double burial area, uh, dating from uh, at least back to 1799 to the present day. You have, Mike, and you do. we will get that in some graveyards. You will get a grave or a series of graves that date back and will actually trace the almost an entire line of family history in one small square area. So there we have James Gartland of Drogheda, erected in 1799 uh, over his family burial place. Pray that they may be met a favourable judgment. Amen. And as you say, just above that then is uh, more information. In fact, a piece from the Bible in English, Irish and Latin. So a regular Rosetta Stone. Let's move on to another one, shall we? It's a long time since I'd seen Old Irish written. Um, and you know, how we knew it was very Old Irish was the H isn't included. Instead of the H being used, um, or a shavu as we say, you see a dot bes- or over the letter. So keep a lookout for those dots over the words if you see them. And you, know th- and you know then that you're looking at very Old Irish. And you may see some written on gravestones as we had in Monster Boyce. We also noticed, and I thought this was very strange, to see the many ways the stonemason had squashed or abbreviated names and dates when he ran out of space on the edge of the headstone. But then there were the simpler, irregular, unmarked gravestones, and I wondered how Jane had read those and what they told her. And we're on to another grave marker just here, and it's so different to the one we just left, which was that one which had the English, Latin and Irish carved in, dating from 1799. Jane, do you describe what's in front of us here? It's a small stone marker covered in moss. No writing. That's about a foot high. Have you ever seen one of these markers before in an Irish cemetery? Many times, Mike. They're very, very prevalent 
in a lot of particularly older cemeteries and a lot of rural cemeteries as well. So they're essentially place markers and my understanding is that uh, often different families use different shapes stones to indicate yeah this is kind of that family or this family and I suppose in some cemeteries as well you could be lucky and the local councillor or somebody else could actually have an indication of what the plots were. Occasionally, yes, it depends on how far back the burial records actually go. If the, the graveyard was mapped back many years ago, some of the plots may have been identified by families. You know, it's interesting. We were talking earlier there about how uh, often, uh, I suppose, kind of one of a descendant or a son or a daughter might head off to the US or Australia and then come back at a later date uh, get the stone and actually replace with a full, a full marble tombstone. Yes, or when their parent died, they would have paid, sent money home to pay for the funeral and to pay for a headstone. Sometimes they identified where the descendant had gone to as well. So you, I've actually seen one with a complete street address. Wow. I, I mean, I must say, in uh, my own experience as well, uh, just for example, with my grandfather, one of them, he died in 1918, and he is a stone marker, which we can't find, by the way. But the point is, uh, in a lot of places, in the, mostly the west of Ireland, at least, southwest into the west, people really couldn't actually afford headstones up to the introduction of the credit union movement in the 1920s, and thereafter you saw the real introduction of the headstones. Yes, it's a real mix, Mike. Um, for some families, a headstone was of incredible importance and they would have saved for 40 years, sometimes longer, to pay for a headstone. Other families just put no headstone up and didn't want one, wasn't interested. Yeah, such a mix, as you say. Uh, you mentioned the word higgledy-piggledy earlier, and that's it, really. A cemetery is such an organic place, really, and it's just come about over so many centuries in this particular case. I think you said there was what, how many years do you think of uh, burials here? Well I don't know for certain Mike but you could suppose given the date of the round tower and the churches, there could be a thousand years of burials here. A thousand years of burials. Well let's have a look at another one shall we? The wind, the wind is picking up here in the background folks so let's see how long we can last uh, until the rain comes but it's uh, still such a beautiful setting. I think we have a bit in us yet. A thousand years of burials. Wow, that comment caught my attention as I walked on this hallowed ground where monks, Vikings, chieftains and ordinary folk just like ourselves had lived and died for a thousand years. We'd certainly come to the right place with the history of centuries under our feet. There's an interesting tale about Bute the monk who founded the monastery here. He was a Scottish saint, but it was said in 480, St. Bute was returning from a trip to Rome. And on his way through Scotland, he raised Nocton Morbeth, the king of Pickland, or Scotland, from the dead. I could see how this story grew legs as I looked at all he had accomplished here in Monaster Boyce. As we walked around, we were seeing what a genealogist looks for in a graveyard and how this then informs the genealogist, or anybody really, on the search of their Irish ancestors. Jane's reading of Monaster Boyce gave us a glimpse of all the information available from our ancestors 
once we had the keys to read those stories written in stone. So walking up through the graveyard here, just looking at some of the stones, we see one here. In fact, what just Jane was saying about people coming back from uh, the States and mentioning where they're from, it's uh, erected by Michael Rogers, the Rogers family in New York, in loving memory of his sister, Brownstown. Then beside that, we have a Patrick and Thomas Crosby of Bankerstown. Mulroy, and interestingly enough, the mull of the Mulroy tends to be the moel, which indicates that we're talking about a monastic individual in the first place. Uh, given where we are, this is the centre of a monastic settlement. Uh, we have uh, Judith Leonard beside that and Patrick Leonard of Fieldstown. So we have Leonard, Mulroy, Crosby and Rogers. And just above them then, up on um, a little bit of a height, and we got a large uh, grave plot. We see a stone in front of it and just behind that then, in memory of the Gagan family. Again, another big... Uh, name from around uh, here and into Meath and one of those things we were talking about earlier as well we see stone that was erected just post famine 1859 by Patrick Cooney of Nakmonha in uh, beloved memory of his uh, mother Mary Cooney and that extends all the way down then to various individuals of the Cooney family going all the way forward to an Amory Wynne who died in 1995 all in the same grave plot um, would you believe right beside then, that right beside Muradoc's Celtic Cross, one of the most amazing sites in Ireland, a Celtic Cross that was actually erected sometime in the 900s, and it is actually named for, I think it's the actual uh, local... Oh, it's a monk. I'm just talking to Karina here in the distance, yeah. Thanks for our fact-checker. And uh, we're up now to... McGovern's. Then Jane, do you want to say something about this particular place here? Well, particularly this one, there are quite a few crosses and headstones all in the one plot, all belonging to the same family. And you will get that in some graveyards. Um, some of them are, there's one here, it's very badly worn, you can't read any names on it at all couple of others you can read and that's indicative of, of some families who have many plots um, all adjacent one another all in the one graveyard and you can maybe trace the family for a couple of hundred years quite consistently. That is fabulous to get that together on the one plot as you say and Jade, I'm just looking at that particular headstone. As you say, it's actually covered with all sorts of uh, lichen. Actually, I'm just about to stand on top of a, a horizontal gravestone there, which goes back to sometime in the... Well, maybe the 1800s, is it? It's kind of hard to tell just there. But there's an older one, as you say here, a lichen-covered one, which looks like it may have even been moved. Ah, I just noticed, actually, all the writings on the other side here. And still, still, it's so difficult to actually read. How would you, if at all, I mean, I'm feeling it through, I can feel the grooves in there, but I can't see much. How would you actually go about, I suppose, extracting some information from a headstone like this one? I will usually try just soft rainwater sprayed from a bottle. Chalk is the most, is the least corrosive of subjects. Uh, you know subjects are a little bit the, the least corrosive the least corrosive it's very very soft 
a lot of the rubbings can damage so as far as reasonably practical I will try to photograph it from different angles I'll spray rain water not tap water um, which I'll have brought with me it's difficult it's a difficult one and see what you manage to get at the end well I think we'll take a photograph of this one anyway and uh, see what we can get out of it so that's um, they're just some of the actual uh, stones we're after seeing around here and we're surrounded by a lot of more modern ones of course and again it's a fascinating graveyard because, because it is does cover that thousand years of burials so you are going from those rocks possibly uh, possibly there's probably kind of rocks buried six foot under this soil grave markers soil upon soil upon soil uh, right up to the present day did you hear mike mention the high cross of murdoch imagine that there are three of these ancient high crosses here in this graveyard Monaster Boyce was a very important religious centre from the late 5th century and is most famous for these spectacular sandstone high crosses, which date from around the 10th century of the early Christian period in Ireland. It's hard to explain the majesty and beauty of these sandstone crosses. They're finely carved and depict biblical scenes from both the Old and the New Testament. Imagine them as the newspapers or the internet of their day, telling the story of the Bible to people who couldn't read or write, like a giant TV set. So people were taught about the Bible through these stone picture carvings, and we can still see what our ancestors looked at almost a thousand years ago. The most impressive high cross here is the one that Mike was speaking of, the Cross of Murdoch, and it gets its name from an inscription at the base of the west face, saying it was erected by Murdoch. It's a monolith, 17 foot high, and is widely regarded as the finest one in Ireland. Looking at the cross, I could make out depictions of the Old Testament. You could see Adam and Eve, Cain slaying Abel, and the Last Day of Judgment. You could spend hours just looking at all the scenes depicted on every inch of the stone on this cross. But it was time to move on and get Jane's final reading on this special place here in County Louth. Jane, I understand that was your first visit to Monaster Boyce. What, what impressions is it leaving you with? Fascinating, Mike. The graveyard is full of layers. Generations of names, of places, localities, families. It, it's a microcosm of social everything, of just the, the community at large. Um, different values, different layers of Christianity with the different symbols. Um, I just find them fascinating. And the, the, the higgledy-piggledy layout as well is, um, it, it does, it brings families together of different generations. And you'll often find then sort of the great-greats um, buried alongside sort of the more current generation, which is, it's lovely to see that. It sounds like the sort of place you'd like to come back to sometime. Yes, I'd come back again. Right, well, Jane, thank you very much for your time. It's fascinating to get your insight there as we wandered around an old, in this case, a very old Irish cemetery. One last thing, Mike, take a photograph on the way out.
Ah, always the genealogist. Got the discipline. Thanks again, Jane. You're welcome, Mike. The wind had whipped up a storm and it was time to take shelter at a nearby hotel where some hot food set us up for the long journey home. We headed south and Jane headed north. But the trip was worth it for the great advice received from Jane, our green room genealogist. She opened our eyes to all that you can learn when visiting an Irish graveyard. We hope that you try these techniques and tips out for yourself when visiting an Irish graveyard in search of your Irish ancestors. We left Monaster Boyce with a vow to return some sunny day or perhaps get a visit into the abbey at Mellifont nearby, which grew in prominence as the fortunes of Monaster Boyce declined around the 11th century. Ah, but that's a story for another day. If any of the items we mentioned in the show today catch your attention, you can see the links in the show notes at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 505. That's a letterfromireland.com forward slash 505. Till then, everybody, Slán Gafol. Special thank you to Jane McGarvey, our Irish based green room genealogist, who provided us with great pointers on how to read an Irish graveyard in today's show. Thanks to you, listeners, for your company on the Letter from Ireland show, and all our friends in the green room, and of course, our readers on the Letter from Ireland who read our letter each week. I hope, listeners, you've enjoyed the show. And if you'd like to know more about your own Irish ancestors and want to connect with us and discover more, I'll leave a link to the green room at the end of the show in the show notes at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 505. Till we chat again, here's a lovely old Irish blessing. Togabogie, take it easy. And we look forward to you joining us again next time on the Letter from Ireland show. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, The Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show. And you can find full details of The Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our Green Room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. Because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán Gafol, Karina. <laughs>